Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Post 20 podcast. This is the very first episode that, sorry, I don't know what's in my hand. Uh, this is the very first episode that Matt and I are doing uh, a video recording. This is a new thing that we're trying out. We're going to start to upload these to YouTube. So if you're on YouTube and you're seeing our faces, then hello for the very first time. And if you're not and you're on the traditional avenues uh, of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, then don't worry about it. The show will be the exact same. Um, this is just something that we wanted to try to do. We're going to also try and maybe start to stream these on Twitch. Um, but that's like, we're going to give that a couple more weeks and, and see how this goes first. Um, that being said, hello, Matt, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, dude? New year, new, new style format for us, growing the brand in every way we can for the audience. Now we got the visual listeners that want to see what we're doing. Uh, repping the Buckeye Jersey, big game Monday. Yep. I have my six. Get fucking Bama. I have my uh, I have my Sixers uh, crew neck on. I got I copped the nice Mitchell and Ness one uh, before Christmas. Got on sale. So both repping our Mitchell teams. And Ness, Mitchell and Ness is a reliable, reliable group to buy stuff from. Their, it, their products are is. fucking nutty. Yeah, I mean it's some of the like the uh, the jerseys that they have, like the authentic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an authentic Eagles jersey, dude. That shit was expensive. Like that, there. It's nice, nice quality. But if you don't get it on sale, it's it's just extreme, extreme pricing. Yeah, football jerseys are the most expensive. Yeah, by far. I have all kinds of basketball jerseys and soccer jerseys and stuff. They're mm-hmm. they're kind of reasonably priced. Um, football jerseys are crazy, bro. All right. I guess let's let's hop into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, um, we will be recapping match day 17 as well as going over um, a rescheduled game, uh, Burnley versus Manchester United, and then the rest of match day 18 uh, in this episode. I'm on a bit of a time crunch, so we're just going um, to run through these ones quick. Uh, the first game that we'll be recapping is Everton versus West Ham. That happened on the first day of the new year. Uh, Everton fell to West Ham after a 86th minute goal by new signing Thomas Suchek, who continues to impress. Did you watch this game, Matt? Yeah, I saw the end of it. I was just coming home from, oh no, I wasn't coming home from work. I was off that day because it was a holiday. Mm-hmm. Sorry, being an idiot. But nah, my boy Suchek got him on my fantasy, scored a late, late winner. I also got the assist from Cresswell also on my fantasy, so uh i'm five five weeks on the bounce i got w's going into six in a row hopefully i'm trying to climb back in this fantasy table that we're in but um yeah back to the game everton just couldn't couldn't put it away i mean their best performer was pickford who was i would say the last 15 minutes west ham outlasted them and weathered the storm it was kind of a cheesy goal in a way cresswell just took a a long shot try it was like kind of a prayer and it went through six guys and ended up off Suchek's foot and then they got the late winner. But I mean, that game could have gone either way. Uh, I mean, you got to give credit to some of the Everton guys. They've been really lacking in the goal scoring department of recently. Mm -hmm. That's why they're dropping. Like they're all the way down into 12th position. Oh no, that's last year's. Hold up. Sorry. Why you're looking at last year's table. Yeah. I pulled up the wrong thing being an idiot still. No, they're in seventh. So I mean that early forms dropped off and now you're seeing the, 
standard Everton. Yeah, the the mid table, you know, sluggish, grinded out type of of Everton gameplay that you're used to watching. It seems like they may be returning to that, and it's unfortunate that you that you lack the creativity in the middle of the park there. That's that's certainly what what's hurting them. I would say that you know, James had transformed the way that they were playing. Uh, at the beginning of the season, between between James, Richarlison, and DCL, they had they had a you know a really nice um, attacking force there, and that's obviously fallen off. And they're not scoring as many goals as they should be, and they have to be looking to get more than more than you know a loss against against West Ham. I know West Ham are playing okay right now, and maybe that's a team that you can take a draw against and say, okay, we'll be better next week. But you can't take a loss there. I mean, that's that's just Everton have to be expecting more. Mm-hmm. Did totally you see? Uh, did you see Haller is leaving for Ajax? Twenty mil. Yeah, West Ham lost a little over half their investment on him. They bought him for forty-seven and a half, I believe, it one or two years ago. Yep. Uh, complete flop. Yeah, he scored a bicycle kick, but who gives a shit? That was it, right? That's the only good goal I remember. His style of play doesn't suit them, and now that they sold him, he was one of their two strikers they rotated, the other being Mikel Antonio. Now they're in the market desperately looking for a replacement. Um, They're targeting Enketia from Arsenal. No, you cannot. Uh, They're looking at Giroud, and I'm sure they're looking at a couple others, but... Uh, they have they have like three weeks to try to figure that out. But if Antonio can't stay fit during this time period, they're really going to struggle. They're going to have to do what City's doing and play like a winger as like a shadow striker. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage um, with just Antonio right now. But they'll eventually pick somebody up. They have do they have Yarmolenko? No, that's not them. Um, yeah, who, they do. They do have him still. Yeah, they got him. They got Bowen. Yeah, you'd, uh, you'd want to see one of those quicker guys up top. I don't know if Bowen would slot in there, but Yarmolenko, I'd like to see how he'd do. He, does, he even, does he even get playing time or no? Uh, he's like a rotation. Yeah. Uh, they, sold, they sold Robert Snodgrass to, <laughs> yeah. West, to West Brom. That was Sam Allardyce's first uh, bit of business. He's going to yeah. get big Rob, big Rob Snod. <laughs> he's just going to buy a big, tall, white guy, which is what he's used his entire career to keep teams out of the relegation zone. Not not gonna help. That's funny. No, that's that's not gonna be um enough always, to say. It's always that. a problem. It's always a problem when you're playing thirty seven year old Branislav Ivanovic back there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're we're gonna get to that in in just a few minutes here. Um, when we talk about Arsenal, but um, the next game was Man United versus Aston Villa. United got really fucking lucky here. Um, I, I think that. Although they they did they did outplay uh, Villa, they didn't outplay them by much. The possession was fairly evenly matched. Villa had five shots on target versus United's nine. Uh, Anthony Martial and Bruno Fernandez were the two goal scorers for United, while Bertrand Traore scored on the fifty eighth for Villa. Um, United, I think, looked better in the first half than they did in the second. Obviously, they were saved once again by a Bruno Fernandez penalty in the 61st. Uh, but I think that they were really lucky to get away with three points here. I thought this may be a draw, uh, especially after Traore equalized in the 58th. Yeah, I totally agree. This game should have ended in a draw. Um, obviously, over the over the previous weekend, a lot of the top managers are 
calling out against the refs favoriting United in some of these chances. Mm-hmm. I think in the past four seasons, four or five seasons, Man United's been awarded the most VAR penalties around like 37, and then they like broke down all the differences. Rashford and Martial, I think, tie for the most seven each. Yep. So, I mean that that's just gossip. I mean that not gossip, but that's just to get some headliners and the papers and make some extra money off that. But it doesn't mean anything. I don't think that they do it on purpose. It just comes down to a referee's decision at the moment and. The VAR guy agrees with them. I don't know. It's just how it works out. I don't want to say it's blatantly cheating and favoriting them, but it, it's kind of fishy sometimes how the lightest of touches. Like, I would say the the Reese James clip for well, which match was that? Was that Aston that was, Villa? That was the Arsenal game, wasn't it? Yeah, the Arsenal game. The, yeah. the first goal they got was off a penalty, and mm. it was just a little clip off Smith Rowe's heel. Yeah, it was dubious. I, I don't know if I would have called a pen there. Just like little little things like that are fishy to me, but uh, yeah, this going back to the match and how it finished. Yeah, it should have ended in a draw. I mean, Ollie Wall. Oh, I think Hawkins I lost. Hawkins is turning an absolute shithead. He's not scoring. That's his. Yeah, I was, Ollie Watkins isn't doing anything. I think that's why they lost this game. He literally just can't score. I mean, I said going into this match for the predictions, uh, Wamba Saka was going to lock down Grealish, and he did. Grealish really didn't do much. Yeah, uh, he was creating chances, but he couldn't put anything away. So, uh, Man United's back line's been holding up pretty well. They have been rotating Lindelof and Bailly, and both have been doing pretty well. So, Man United, I think, deserves to be in the position they are now, tied for first. But um, I think it's building up to this clash against Liverpool in the next two weeks, which is going to turn out to be a really interesting match. Yeah, um, Liverpool are playing right now, I, don't, I think. I don't know if that game has ended yet. Uh, they're actually playing Villa. They they conceded first, but I I think that they're they've been beating on Villa since that first goal. Yeah, it ended four one in in, in uh, Liverpool's favor. Yeah, so I I th- I think that it will be an interesting match. Um, when you see United take on Liverpool, by then I would imagine they would still be the first and second position teams, uh, barring and you know some type of shakeup in in the expected results in the next uh, two fixtures for both of those teams. But um, we we will have to see. Um, once again, t- to round this off, United getting lucky again, and uh, the penalty thing. While I agree with you that you know it's it's just the way that the refs are calling it. Um, it is strange that United gets so many when you look at a team like Liverpool who who don't get as many penalties. And and Klopp said this. He he said this. You know when British media questioned him about it and he said you know look at our penalties versus uh versus united's penalties but what he fit what what he's failing to um put into that equation is how many penalties are other top tier clubs getting chelsea don't get a lot of pens arsenal don't get a lot of pens city don't get a lot of pens like it united is the only club that gets this many penalties martial or not martial um fucking what's his name Oh, Rashford. Rashford and, and uh, Fernandez are the ones that, you know, that, that really get the penalties called. Yeah, I mean, within the last three years, United's been given the most. Uh, two, what, three seasons ago, they got 12, which was the most in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season, they received 14, being the most. And this year, they're second in the league, given six. Leicester's the only one beating them. They've been given 10. Mm, that's um, a lot. 
but yeah, since VAR, they've been they've been around that top end. Yeah, it's. I think it's just how it works out in games. I Me think too. that's a certain game tactic you tell your players. You you get in specific areas and you make the defender make a mistake. I think that's a coaching strategy out there. I would implement because if you're in these tight games where you can't break them down and you can't get the ball in the right spot, why not make the defender make a mistake? And he trips you. Take the easy way out. Sometimes you have to do that to get the results you need. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the next match took place on the 2nd of January. Tottenham Hotspur took on Leeds United. Tottenham Hotspur emerged victorious 3-0. Uh, a Harry Kane penalty in the 29th. A Huang Min Sun uh, goal in the 43rd. It was a good goal. And uh, a Toby Alduero goal in the, goal in the 50th. Uh Netted three for Tottenham versus a Leeds United side who didn't look their sharpest. Uh, Matt Doherty got a red in the 92nd minute, costing me fantasy points, of course. And um, this was an interesting game. Leeds uh, dominated the possession, but didn't look sharp in front of the net. They only had five shots on target. With a with a, a team like Leeds um, having 64% possession, you'd expect more shots on target because they launch an awful lot of shots at the goal. Um, Tottenham only had 36% possession, seven shots on target, and they converted three of those. So it was a clinical performance by by Mourinho's boys. Uh, what did you think about this match? Uh, this was a probably Mourinho's perfect uh, vision of how a game would work out. Yeah. The, they they hold the ball as little as possible, so they have the least amount of chances to make mistakes on the ball. And when they do have the ball, they're encountering tax situations where you're feeding these your playmakers who you want to have the ball and will create the chances and will burying them. And Kane and Son did do that, and then Alderweireld gets a little goodie bag uh, to end the day with his. But we said this, we've been saying this week in and week out. This is a Spurs side that don't like having the ball. They just counter. And they do their thing and leave. And we both we both predicted Leeds to get a win here. We were completely off. Yeah, going to work out in their favor. Leeds, Leeds, I would say is top three, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They don't play or, defense. <laughs> they just don't do yeah, it. Yeah, Bielsa doesn't give a fuck. He says no. we're going to go out there, balls to the wall, and if we get scored on, whatever, we'll try to bury him back. But mm-hmm. couldn't in this game. Spurs is just a team that is ready to get pounded on in possession and defensively. They just held up and. um if I'm Leeds and Bielsa on the board there, uh, I'm I'm investing in at least at least two defenders in this month because they really need this depth and rotation for these guys, and they need some experience because these guys have not played in the Premier League before, and they need they need that experience. So they really need to find somebody to help them out. Okay. Um, while I agree with you, I have a question for you because I, I was watching. Uh... You know Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto, right? On on NBC. Yeah. So so they have a their own podcast called the Two Robbies, and I listen to it after each match week, um, to get some of their you know extended insights, not just not just the desk uh stuff that you get normally, and um, Robbie Earl, ha- he he was defending Leeds in in the way that they play, um, while while Musto. Or it was it was reversed. I, either way, um, one of them was not happy with the way that Leeds were playing and said that the fact that they don't play defense is bad for the league, and the other said that they he he doesn't he doesn't mind it. He thinks it's okay. 
do you do you find yourself fitting into either of those camps or no? Because I certainly do. Yeah, I see myself saying I like how they play. It makes yeah. every match uh, interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you invest into these attacking players because you know, uh, given any minute and any chance that Leeds has a potential to score. Mm-hmm. If they're playing sit back, just like all these other promoted teams and lower level teams, then it's kind of boring and you know what the result's going to turn out to be. But if, like I said, if they invest their money in the right areas and apparently they do have the money to spend, mm-hmm. then I think they can clean their act up and they can push. They're, I don't, I 100% don't think they're going to get relegated because no. when they play this style against the big clubs, they're eventually going to steal some points. And oh, yeah. Then they already they, have. They, they, yeah, and they dominate the smaller teams when they play like this because they play like a, a established club that's dominating these little teams and should. So I think they play perfectly fine and they shouldn't change. And I don't think Bielsa is a guy to take what these people say, the pundits and all that, to heart. He's just going to do what he wants. And yeah. if they don't like it, he'd probably tell him to go fuck himself. I think you're entirely right, and, and I agree with you. I, I find myself... Uh agreeing with with exactly what you just said. I don't think that he should change at all. Um, But I do disagree with the fact that they should bring defenders in because he's just not going to use them. (laughs) Buy better attacking players. I mean, he's not going to use those those defenders. Maybe buy defensive midfielders, box-to-box guys, you know, a guy to pair with with Phillips. But, fuck, I mean, is he going to really use... uh, Is he going to use center halves? Like, what's a better center half there? It doesn't even matter. They don't play defense. I would say if they could, they could nick uh, somebody off a mid-table team. Or yeah. like if he goes to Germany or Italy, I think you can get somebody solid for twenty to thirty mil. Yeah, just to add some extra leadership back there. And yeah, I'm sure they could get a like a young winger. I mean, you could get a striker to back up Bamford because Bamford's been in perfectly good health. He's never been injured so far, so they haven't had to worry about that situation yet. But if you if you have to, I would say invest in a striker, uh, an attacking mid, and maybe a center back. Yeah, I, th- I think an attacking mid. Um, of course, they would benefit from from getting a better center back, right? Of course, they would. But um, <laughs> it surprises me each week when I watch them play, like to see how little they play out of the back. The ball is never back there. If the ball is back there, it's in the net. That's it. Well, their next their next few weeks are looking in their favor. Yeah, we will move on to the next match: Crystal Palace versus oh, Sheffield United. God. Not much to say here. This was uh, was this the one that that Eze absolutely fried them and, and dribbled up the pitch and scored? Yeah, I mentioned yeah. this on uh, Monday's episode. For me, um, I said it was the worst call of twenty twenty one so far on my part. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought this was the match for Sheffield. This was the time mm-hmm. Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder was getting his hundredth uh, club win. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still hasn't gotten it since July. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, me too. People are saying he should quit. Uh, I don't. I think once he gets his hundredth win, he should quit. Just <laughs> yeah. as a statement. Yeah. Um, but no, this was a terrible take. Yes, as they scored probably one of the goals of the season. He, he got the ball at midfield. Uh, dribbled through everybody and then like finessed at bottom corner, which was pretty chill. Um, he actually came on as an, a sub like 10 minutes into the, or 10, 20 minutes into the game for Schlupp, who scored the first. He yeah. came off with an injury, but yeah, it was a first half uh, game. The two goals came in the first half, and then the second half was boring as fuck. So 
I mean, yeah, Palace got a crucial win that they needed, a big confidence booster to make sure they stay out of that relegation battle. Um, I mean, they they sit at 14th on 22 points. You're only seven points off top four. Yeah. So if you're Roy Hodgson, yeah, you're in the 14th position, but like, I'm only seven points off Europe, so you can't be mad at me. No. My my fucking even though we believe Palace is a a shithole team, and I did listen to the commentators, they did say Palace's defense is the oldest in the league on average. Yes. So so I mean, yeah, I guess it's a result that you can't you can't frown at for Palace, right? It was a result that they needed, and they'll be happy to get a two nil. Um. Don't think that they would have got that result against a team that was even just slightly better than Sheffield, but um, I guess they'll be moving on and, and looking to see what they have uh, next week. Uh, the next match was Brighton Wolves, which was an absolute banger. 3-3. Three, three. Uh, Aaron Connolly scoring in the 13th for Brighton. Neil Mopai in the 46th on a penalty. And Lewis Dunk scored an equalizer in the 70th minute. Uh, Romain Saiz scored again. He scored last week. Uh, there was a 34th minute own goal by Dan Byrne. And then Ruben Neves scored a penalty in the 44th for Wolves. Uh, this was a belter all the way through. I mean, I, I watched this one. I, I bet on Wolves. And unfortunately, they, they let me down after going up 3-1. Yeah, this game could have gone either way. Uh, it was It was your typical... Uh, if you're watching an NFL game, it's like your team, you get the good momentum, it's like a roller coaster, and then we hit the plateau, and then we get some slump, and then we get a little bit more, and then we hit the witching hour, and then you get absolutely stabbed in the fucking neck. Yep. Um, if you're a neutral and you had nothing on the game, yeah, this was an enjoyable game to watch. If you're new to soccer, this is a game you need to watch to enjoy the little things. Uh, Romain Saiz is probably the most lethal defender. Yeah, bro, league. he's amazing. Whenever that man is near the box, he will most likely get a solid chance on goal. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty solid. Where did he come from? I have no clue. I think he's Moroccan. I mean, those wolf scouts know what they're doing. They find little hidden gems out there. Always. I wouldn't be surprised if he came from the Portuguese league. France. But, um, no, he came to the French League. Nice. He played for Anger, Anger, however the fuck Ooh. you say that shit. Your farmer boys. Yes, my French farmers, indeed. Uh, yeah, Louis Dunk, I think he scored for the second time in three matches or something. Mupai the same. Um, and you see Neves on the score sheet. You think he's an abs- he scored an absolute screamer, but it was just a pen. So. Yep. Yeah, a lot of guys played well in this game. Defensively, it wasn't there, but very interesting. I think both teams would be happy with the draw here. Brighton, maybe not as much. They've recently, in their last five matches, four of them have been draws. And they're only three points above the relegation zone. So they're going to need to pull a couple wins together soon. Yeah, um, they need to be looking to get some points in this this congested period before things start to get back towards um, normalcy. Uh, obviously, we are kind of looking down the barrel of a loaded gun here uh, with the COVID cases. There was 40 positive tests uh, as of two days ago, which is an astounding number. 
Um, but that's just what happens, especially with the the con- um, congestion, like I talked about on on Wake Up Wednesday. You know, when all these clubs are meeting each other so quickly and so closely, uh, and and in such close proximity, this is what happens. And although it's unfortunate, it is part of running a league in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm hoping that we don't see you know a pause here because some of these teams have momentum. And that momentum is what we're going to use to segue into the next match. My Arsenal Football Club took on West Brom uh, at the Hawthorns. They beat them 4-0 in the snow. What a game. What an absolute joy to watch Arsenal Football Club once again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was texting you during the game. I was saying we were talking about soccer, and I said, your boy's dancing on the main stage. Yeah. Um. He continues to impress, and Kieran Tierney, uh, Tierney was the one that that opened the, the scoring here in the 23rd minute with an absolutely dashing run up the left flank. He spun himself in, did a little bit of a scoop turn, and finished. Um, great goal. Uh, it was kind of a solo effort. Saka scored in the 28th, then Lacazette scored two within four minutes in the 60th and the 64th. Arsenal dominated in both possession and shots on target. Uh, 62% possession with 12 shots on target. They absolutely battered Big Sam's West Brom. And it was good to see. This is the third win in a row uh, for Arsenal. Obviously, we had Chelsea. Then we did Brighton last week and West Brom this week. I think we have... Who do we have next week? Crystal Palace. So this should be four. It won't be. I bet we lose, but um, Arsenal are surging. We're only a few points behind uh, behind your beloved club now. Um, <laughs> or whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of slipping. Um, next match was Newcastle versus Leicester City. Leicester won 2-1 in an actually quite impressive performance by Newcastle. I expected this game to be... Um, a, a little bit more tilted in Leicester's favor. It was only 2-1. Madison scored in the 55th. Tielman scored in the 72nd. Uh, and then Andy Carroll got one back at the end for Newcastle. That's Andy Carroll's one goal of the year that he always scores. Yeah, this game was won in the first half by Leicester. Uh, James Madison looked like he should add at least three. Yeah. Um, and Tillyman's goals was fucking sexy as shit. He gets the ball whipped in from the right side by Mark Albrighton, and first time finesse bottom corner. It was fucking sexy as hell. Yeah, um, yeah. It should have been at least three nothing by the half, but they couldn't put away their dinner. And Newcastle, I believe, the last twenty to twenty five minutes got control of the game, and Carroll got his one goal, like he said back. They said that was the first goal for he scored for Newcastle in ten years. Obviously, yep. he's played for a couple other clubs in between that time, but mm-hmm. they they had their chances to tie this game up, but uh, came to no no came to nothing there. Um, Newcastle just like Palace, just sitting around that um, that relegation zone battle, but they just can't find any creativity in the middle the middle of their field is so fucking stale yeah it's old they they cannot get the ball to their guys up top it's just old i mean you have 
you have long, you have both long staffs, right? They're just sitting there in the middle of the park doing fucking nothing. And then you have you have Wilson up top and and Jolinton on the left and and Almiron on the right. And I just don't think Almiron is really anything special. You know, he he looked good when he was in the MLS, but not 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 a huge impressor uh, in the Prem since he's gone there. And then Jolinton, I think he's he's kind of you know gone too. Um, they they need to just get some fresh blood in. Uh, I'm not really overjoyed ever watching Newcastle, and until the ownership situation changes there, then not, you know nothing's really gonna change. Uh, good result for Leicester, two one. They should have won the game. Uh, moving on, we have Chelsea versus Man City. Man City battered Chelsea, three one. Uh, in in a, in a span of about sixteen minutes. Uh, City scored three goals, and then it was quiet until stoppage time when uh, CHO uh, got one back in the 92nd. I'm going to let you handle this one. It was a joy to watch for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, this was the game on Monday, right? Yeah. Oh, the, no, it was the, Sunday. The third. Yeah. No, it was Sunday. Yeah, I had like a day to process it. I talked about it on my show, and yeah, my main thing I said was there was a 10 minute period where Man City just took their meat out and put it right on Frank's forehead. <laughs> yeah. It was literally, it was classic pet ball where every time they moved the ball and a Chelsea defender approached them, the ball already moved on to the next player. Yeah. And um, Phil Foden is a player that does not get consistent game time at City. He's a young England star, you should say, starlet, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. that deserves to start for that team but doesn't pep says he just in that final area he, there's just something he's just it it's, isn't there yet for him yeah to play him consistently and i think in in the next world cup he'll play a major key for england with how well they do mm-hmm. but uh yeah he had a goal and assist he tore us apart um kevin de bruyne always scores against chelsea i mean whenever there's a former chelsea player that plays chelsea they they will guarantee score <laughs> yeah um because of how they were treated, because Chelsea literally benches, Chelsea buys players just so other teams can't have them, mm-hmm. and that's something they did with De Bruyne, Salah, Lukaku at times. But I mean, from a game perspective, Callum Hudson Odoi only scores when nobody gives a fuck and nobody's yep. watching. He it's did true. the same thing against Arsenal. He scored in the last five minutes of that game. Um, but yeah, moving forward. There's already talks of Frank potentially being done, whatever, and he's come out and said that this is the best time um, to manage for him. He enjoys when he has to coach through the worst, which I I would say is a positive sign to see. But if you're not going to be able to get three points against Fulham, then what the fuck? Um, They've obviously had their last two matches postponed due to COVID, so they've had three weeks of rest. Coming into this match, even if it's good, or we don't even know if it's going to happen. If yeah. There are more cases, whatever, whatever that is. But as of right now, it is still a go for the fifteenth. But um, yeah, three points puts them right back in the mix, and they really need to find their scoring boots. Team of Werner, big letdown. Kai Havertz turned to bench warmer now. So yep. um. I, I don't really have anything new to say about it until this Fulham match is completed. Yes, um, I agree. Sorry, I'm just uh, reading a text message. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see 
Chelsea are continuing their slide. Uh, I'm kind of just preying on everyone else's downfall at this point so Arsenal can get themselves back into a competitive position. And at this point, it kind of looks like they're going to. Chelsea are not the only club that are sliding. We have the almighty Liverpool sliding as well. Uh, Southampton beat Liverpool 1-0 on the 4th of January. Danny Ings scored in the second ex-Liverpool player. Uh, that was the only goal in the entire game. It was a defensive battle, only four total shots on target. Uh, while Liverpool dominated possession, it was not enough to guarantee them a goal. Uh, 33% possession for Southampton, but that goal in the second minute was the difference. Uh, Ralph Hasenhuttle, their manager, broke down, was on his knees crying when he beat Klopp's Giants this weekend. Uh, Oh, it felt good to watch that. It really did. I, I, I really like uh I like Hasenodal as a manager and I like the way that, that Southampton have been playing this season. They really grind their results out. They're respectful enough, I think. Um and I just can appreciate the style that they play. You know, it's kind of a ragtag uh group of players, but but they're really impressing. Yeah, the first time Southampton's gotten a dub over Liverpool since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hasselhoff is a genuine dude, deserves everything he's gotten so far. Um, Liverpool is slipping. The whole season, they've been getting draws. They have the most draws this year with six. Mm-hmm. Still sitting up top, joint with Man United, as we've said before. Nobody can pull away. Uh, right now, Man United and City have that form to wear. If they continue, it's going to be a two-legged race. But uh, I doubt that's going to happen. I'm sure they'll slip up, too. This is the closest um, season I've ever watched in recent memory. Yeah, me to too. Where it's anybody's anybody's game. I mean, Arsenal has Arsenal has a genuine case to get into this top four mix as well. So <laughs> I know. Anything can happen. I think the January window is going to be a deciding factor to see who... Um, gets an extra boost of momentum in their step, extra pep in their step, I should say. But um, yeah, Danny Ings, like we said with the Chelsea foreign players scoring against them. Ings, a former Liverpool there in time to use Ings. I think he was just leaving as Klopp got there Yeah, after the broad era. So, um, yeah, Danny Ings still battling with injury issues. If he can put the rest of the season together, um, I think he could put a really good case for the golden boot. He can get back in the mix. Uh, yeah, Liverpool, this match was uh, almost identical to the when they played Newcastle the previous week. Yeah. Just, it was exactly the same amount of shots, 17. On target, they only had one. Yeah. Uh, the Newcastle only had two. They they try to put the ball right at the top of the six yard box and tap it in. There were three or four golden opportunities that I saw where Mane and Salah or Shakiri, um, or even the fullbacks had the ball on the corner of like the twelve yard area, and they could have just smashed it near post. Yeah, but they cross it. In. That's what I'm saying. They try to it's, put it into that middle every time, and those center backs and the holding mids know exactly where the ball's going. Cause every time. Only Firmino, Salah, and maybe a, an attacking mid there are in that area. And the, the Southampton players completely scuff that pass, so why not take a chance? And worst-case scenario, you get a corner kick, and you get your tall guys in there. So yep. 
they need to actually take these half chances. They they're trying to get the full hundred percent guaranteed chance. You need to take these half chances on that potentially might go in your favor. They have so much talent and so much skill in those in those halfbacks. Um and, and obviously they're wingers and strikers. Like I just don't understand why they're not taking the half chances because what just because it's a half chance, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not gonna go in. I'd say a majority of the teams in the Prem rely on the half chances as their way yeah. to win. And Liverpool seem just not content in, in doing that. So if they want to continue to lose because they're, you know, not happy with, with playing the ball in many different manners instead of just dribbling up and fucking crossing the ball, you know, it, it's like playing game of FIFA, you know? It's like playing against a, one tr- a guy that can only score one way. It's boring to watch, and it's just fucking ugly, man. Get it together. Klopp and Liverpool have to get this together. Klopp's, I would say, the best manager in the world. He's, he's got to figure this out, dude. It's very fucking simple. Yeah, I agree. Um, the first match uh, that we're going to go over here, we're going to be quick because i got to run. Uh, Burnley take on Manchester United on the 12th at 3.15. Uh, it's actually not the first match of the day, but... Um, what do you think here? I think United win. I think they continue their hot streak. I think it's a 2-0 win for United. Yeah, this is an easy pick rolling here. Burnley you still can't score and only 9 for them. Uh, the, only, the only good thing going from them right now is they don't concede a lot. Um, they've only given up 20 goals, which is down towards the bottom. The least, it's the least amount given in the bottom 10 up there with Arsenal. Um, United are just in form. Head-to-head, Man United dominates this matchup with, uh, where is it? Hold on. Can't find them. They're not on. Whatever. But, um, yeah, I think United wins this easy 3 nothing. I think they're given another penalty. I think it spices up the story of penalty controversy. So I think Bruno's going to get a penalty goal here, too. Okay. Um, Next match, Sheffield versus Newcastle. Battle of the fucking shitters. Um, this is probably a game that I would be more comfortable with taking Newcastle in or uh, Sheffield in because I just think Newcastle are really flat and they're not scorers. Uh, a lucky goal here could be the difference for either team. Um, that being said, I'm going to go against what I just just mentioned Ooh. and take Newcastle to win. Um, it'll be one nil, but but it won't be a draw here. I don't think. I think it'll be one lucky goal that separates the teams. I'm going back. I'm hopping back on the board. I don't give a fuck. I think this is the week Sheffield. <laughs> like, I, every week. No. Every week I'm no. taking Sheffield. It's not going to happen. This is the week. This is the week. I, I, I know I said Crystal Palace last week. Yeah, they lost 7-0, 3-0. I was like, oh, you Sheffield. Nah, I was completely wrong. This week, Newcastle, like I said, they can't find their strikers. Callum Wilson hasn't scored in the past couple weeks. You got big Voldemort in the middle. I think this is the week Chris Wilder gets his 100th win, and this is where they turn it around. and they'll. They may, and with this win, they're going to attract somebody to come and rot and get relegated eventually. But this is the week (laughs) Sheffield wins. Okay. Uh, Next game, Wolves versus Everton. Maybe the marquee matchup of the week. Uh, In my opinion, it is. Ooh, this could be an interesting one. Everton are going to be looking to bounce back after the loss versus West Ham last week. Wolves, uh, not last week, two weeks ago that was. 
Um, Wolves having a 3-3 draw at Brighton, not a great result for them either. That being said, I think Everton are going to be more hungry for this. I don't know what James's timetable is still, um, but I'm going to disregard that and say Everton actually win 1-0 here. I don't think it's a lot of goals. Yeah, this is going to be a low-scoring match. Head-to-head, the game's pretty split. Four going to Everton, three going to Wolves. Uh, pretty even on the goals front, and not many clean sheets. So this is this is going to turn out to be a low-scoring game, like you said. Um, my gut instinct wants to say draw. With the way Wolves plays, they they're still trying to figure out how to play without Jimenez at top. Up top, they're going with all their little men and uh, trying to fit Triori up there. But um, Jimenez is fit, and when he's on his game, he can turn it the fuck up. So I'm going to say Everton here, 2-1. Yeah. Uh, Manchester City versus Brighton takes place on the 13th, 1 p.m. Ooh, this could be an interesting game. I think Brighton will be looking to play spoiler here. Um, only three points off the relegation zone for them. So they definitely need to to keep getting points here and and, and strengthening their position in the table. Uh, two points behind Burnley, who sit in 16th. Brightner at 17th. Uh, City are in 6th place with 29 points, tied with both Tottenham and Southampton. Um, I think City win here. They're going to be carrying momentum from from their uh, FA Cup bout versus uh, United yesterday, and then obviously from their prior fixture. Uh, I'm going to take City here. This game... This game, Evan. Yeah. Is an absolute rout. You think so? Man City have played Brighton only six times. They've won all six games, outscoring Brighton twenty to two. Um Brighton can never ever play good against City. The last two matches, City won five nothing, and the last and the one before that, four nothing. This is at least three goals. I think this is a match that Pep tests out. Aguero's fitness, and I think Aguero bags one. Uh, De Bruyne is going to absolutely run riot on Brighton's midfield. They're going to not—they're not going to know what the fuck to do. Um, and this is going to continue the the role of Man City and all the the oil money. So they're going to be climbing the league. They're going to climb it up there with Man United, and they're going to be in the top two after this weekend. Okay, uh, we're both agreeing that City win this game. Then uh, next game, Aston Villa versus Tottenham. I bet against Tottenham last week. I'm going to bet on Tottenham this week. I think that they beat Villa. Um, Once again, Villa are a team that can surprise you. They're only three points off of the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place teams uh, who have 29. Villa are only three points behind them. So this could be an interesting one for sure. I think Villa have the quality to beat Tottenham, uh, especially if it's one of those games where, you know, um, they... Tottenham just sit back and counterattack, which is how they play. Uh, I think Villa could certainly play possession here and 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 beat Tottenham, but I'm I'm gonna bet on Tottenham just because I think they do have more quality overall. This is a game that's heavily going to depend on Matt Matty Cash and Matt Target, the fullbacks for Villa, uh, how well they recover on the counterattacks from Spurs. We know Son, Lucas, and Kane, and whoever else they have up there on Dabele, whoever that is, doesn't matter. Um, Their counterattacks is how they win games, 
And if those young fullbacks overcommit at times or get caught out, it's going to be over. They're going to leave Mings and Kanza high and dry. Um, I think this is a match Spurs win. Uh, you said Villa is going to control possession. I completely agree. Mourinho is happy to give up the ball. He doesn't care as long as they defend well, and they will. I think this is a 2-0, maybe 2-1 to give Aston Villa the benefit of the doubt uh, win to uh, Tottenham. Okay, that is fair. Um, the final game that we're going to be going over here is Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Uh, this game takes place on the 14th. Um, Arsenal continue here. They're going to get a win. I'm going to bet on my own team, which you should never do. Um, sorry, my dog's barking. I think somebody's here, uh, which is my cue. But I think Arsenal win here. I think it's 2-0, 3-0. Uh, Palace's defense isn't very good. And Arsenal are obviously streaking. So if Lacazette gets his time here, then I think that we are looking at least two goals from him. Uh, he's kind of in form. Yeah, he is. He's given. He's been given the nod over Enketia consistently now, and he's uh, been coming up with the goods, uh, paying back Arteta for the the starts. Um, this matchup, Palace has only won this game three times out of twenty two. Arsenal outscored Palace by twenty. We've said that Palace have the oldest defense. Um, Saka's fit. He will run riot down the right, left, wherever they put him. Um, yeah, I think Arsenal win this game easy, at least three. Uh, I think it's always right to go with the trends, and they've won three games in a row. It will be at the Emirates, and I think they continue their role here, and they climb up into the top 10. Yep, I agree. So it seems like Matt and I have most of the same picks this week. Um, that uh, that closes out our, our, our games for match day 18. Uh, there is a match day 19 that like takes place just a couple days after, right in the middle of the week. That starts, obviously, with Fulham-Chelsea. Uh, the thing that we have to um, consider as well is the fact that these games may not get played. Uh, there, there may be some sort of push coming here with the positive COVID test because it's across many teams now, and it's quite an issue. Um, so we'll have to see. Uh, keep an eye out on that if you're if you're looking to bet on these games. Just be careful because you know all of these things are always subject to change. Wildcard weekend is this weekend, so there's plenty of amazing sports for you all to watch. Um, in the meantime, all right, uh, Matt, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no, just make sure if you guys are watching this video on YouTube, click that subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you guys are notified when we upload new content every Friday. Um, also follow us on our socials at Post20Pod. Also get on the streaming platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, so you can f- listen to our episode on multiple platforms to show how much you support us. And other than that, uh, Evan, I guess you close us out. Yeah, keep your keep your eyes out, guys, on on everything, on our Twitters and uh, Instagram. Uh, I pretty much moderate the Twitter, and Matt takes care of the Instagram so if you guys want to let us know anything, if there's anything you want us to talk about, please let us know. Hit us on both of those platforms. Uh, and like Matt said, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube uh, and all of our, our streaming platforms for audio as well. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us through all of this. Um, and we're excited to to see what's coming. So uh, thank you guys all for watching. Matt's doing O-H-I-O. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week, all right? Peace out, guys.